Hello and welcome to this podcast brought to you by Argus Media, a leading independent provider of energy and commodity pricing information. In this episode of Metal Movers, we will talk about hot roll coil prices in the United States and the European markets as well. My name is Colin Richardson. I'm the steel editor at Argus in London, and I'm joined by my colleague, Rai Drusin, senior reporter for steel in the US. Hi, Rai. Hey, how's it going, Colin? Very good. Thanks, mate. Um, so uh, it's been kind of a, a wild ride in the in the US market over the last uh, 12 months or so. Can you just take us through where we are at at the moment, right, in terms of pricing and demand and how the market's going? Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, we had prices in the U.S. Uh, kind of stabilize at a high point uh, for about maybe a month or two in September. Uh, hit a peak of 1970 U.S. dollar a short ton in mid-September. And since then, uh, after a short period of, of kind of gradual declines, we've started to really resume or not resume, but begin a pretty steep decline. We're now down to 1660 a short ton, which is a pretty significant drop, more than 10% in the course of uh, just a few months. And what a lot of this is being driven by is just people in the market not being interested in buying elevated priced steel at the time when they expect prices to continue to fall. And so a lot of the market has simply stepped away um, on top of that, uh, we may have talked about this before, but a lot of steelmakers had been behind on orders and they have gotten caught up. And uh, that means that a lot of service centers and other buyers of steel all of a sudden have gotten their hands on multiple months worth of steel in maybe a month or two months. And uh, that means their inventories are kind of full. People are sitting uh, pretty okay with them, and they're actually really trying to work them down, especially as we come to the year end. Yeah, and I mean, if we think about uh, the revision to this Section 232 tariff, so um, obviously, you know, the the 25% tariff as was is going to change for the European Union, and we're going to see basically a a tariff rate quota. plus the, the existing exemptions. So you're going to have around 4 million tonnes a year of European steel that can come to the US. Has um, has that news had any impact on on the US market, do you think, given that uh, U- European hot rolled is still around $800 per tonne cheaper than uh, than the, uh, you know, the Midwest market? Has that had an impact on sentiment? So I think at this point, no. And frankly, I don't think it ever will in the U.S. because, you know, the the, the devil's in the details with the uh, removal of the tariffs on Europe, which is, you know, as we've reported, the tariffs will be removed by country and by product. So that means that rather than getting a flood of three million tons a year of whatever you want, could be all HRC, could be plate, could be what have you, galvanized. Um, it's going to be very specific uh, per country and per product for that country. So I think a lot of people, um, you know, frankly, I mean, the market didn't really react at all to the, the, the news of the Europe. And it'll be interesting to see what actually happens when we get into the first quarter and we start to see flows 
uh, potentially increased flows from Europe. But there's there's multiple things there, not only with the kind of limited scope uh, of the imports, as I said, with the breakdowns of uh, by country and by product, but also just given Europe a lot of uh, given who Europe is, a lot of my sources here in the U.S. believe that they will be more disciplined. Um, and not, in, in the words of some of them, negligent with their exports so as to not, uh, say, raise the ire of U.S. Um, trade representatives and departments. So there's less concern there where most of the pressure has been coming from is kind of um, a, a lot of the, uh, the rest of the world. So South Korea is still a big player into the U.S., um, Vietnam, Mexico, uh, Canada. And, um, you know, I even heard the other week uh, that Argentina had um, had uh, put out some export offers out there. So, you know, the, the rest of the world is really what's leading prices down in the U.S., uh, in addition to the fact that just domestic spot demand has really dried up lately. Now, I, I'm curious, though, from your perspective in, in Europe, I mean, what what do the steelmakers there there say about the fact that the 232 tariffs come off, is that going to be a big opportunity for them? Um, I think before before the um, before the announcement of exactly what was happening, there was a big push from the European steelmakers to say to their customers, you know, listen, if you if you don't book now, then this material is going to go to uh, the US at much higher prices and, you know, without 25% tariffs so you really need to book now or, or you're going to lose your your tons but they were saying this kind of um in a market that was already you know already sort of uh downtrending from the 1200 euro plus peak that we reached in in june um and it it kind of had a bit of an impact so i think when when there was the initial announcement that there would be uh some change to 232 i think uh CME futures popped. Uh, when I say CME futures, I mean the European hot roll futures that are uh, cash settled basis, our own Northwest European index. They really popped initially. And I think uh, there was probably, you know, uh, a sell off in on the US uh, futures at the same time. But then when, as you say, the devil's in the detail and when the detail was more apparent and you have this by country, by product tariff rate quota, it's not a free for all and the volumes really aren't that great. Uh, and if, you know, if you look at tonnage from, let's say, the Netherlands, uh, which is one of the the biggest winners, if you like, in terms of the quota, because it's historically one of the largest shippers of, of flat products into the US. You know, there there, there has been a, a bit of slippage post 232 in their volumes, but not massively. So there's not really going to be that much of a change, I don't think. Uh, so it's hard to see it tightening the supply and demand balance. And the big issue that we still have in Europe, I guess, that, you know, mills everywhere have at the moment is the semiconductor shortage. And there's some signs that that's kind of easing. So you'll see a, a little more steel demand from the automotive supply chain towards the end of Q1. But realistically, um you know the the supply chain the auto supply chain certainly in europe is quite full uh and it's going to take time for for people to work through those volumes before they're buying um you know they're buying more so yeah really the the 232 again it's had 
uh, it's not really had that much impact, to be honest, certainly once the detail has become more apparent. Yeah, no, I hear you on that. And, you know, that you you bring up a good point with the automotive industry. Um, you know, we here have also seen kind of a, a lessening of the impacts of semiconductor issues. But I say that the day after Toyota announced that they're going to cut uh, upwards of another, I think, 50,000 vehicles in North America um, that won't be produced in January because of they just say supply chain issues. So I think it's uh, maybe broadened beyond semiconductor issues. But, you know, we've been surveying automakers here in the U.S. on a weekly basis for most of the year. And um, the last couple of months, especially, I'd say beginning in November, uh, end of October was re- when I, I, I would really say it seemed like the issues um, lessened somewhat. Uh, I don't think they completely went away, but, you know, GM basically hasn't had a semiconductor related shutdown um, since November. Uh, and um, I think we've had a smattering of others here and there, but nothing compared to, you know, the the kind of broad um, sweeping closures that we saw through much of the year. And I know that some people in the U.S. are think that because of the improving situation with the automakers, there may be more demand in the market here in the U.S. Um, that may help prop up prices here. But, you know, looking at Europe, you and I were talking about this before we got on, but <clears throat> Obviously, pricing in Europe has has been going down for longer, uh, as you noted. Uh, I'm looking at the chart right here. Um, but I, I guess I'm curious, you know, what what do you think the um, the market is kind of doing right now, and where where do you think uh, it could be going? Do you think that people are looking at more demand coming into the first quarter, or do you think they're just trying to hold on to what they have? So I think it's. Um I mean, it's pretty unclear. A lot of people are expecting this kind of post-January pop in, in demand because of, uh, you know, as we mentioned, the the semiconductor uh, issues may be normalizing to an extent. Although I do, in Europe, I question, um, you know, how much they'll normalize. I still think there's going to be issues for uh, the first half of the year and, and probably more with with semiconductor availability but uh i there is this kind of expectation that demand will be brisker and i think that's probably uh based on just demand has been very very quiet for quite a while now in in europe the market's never really restarted um since people disappeared for summer you know you have these kind of uh july and august are are holiday months in in italy and and um and germany and then the market sort of restarts in september but it never really did it's just been kind of uh quiet on the apparent demand front and there's been more stock in the system and as you said with the us ride the mills have flipped from being really badly behind on deliveries to uh to not being behind at all so service centers have seen this kind of perfect storm of um of increased domestic deliveries then all of this import material has arrived that was booked when domestic prices were much higher at the same time as uh as automotive has been lower i think q4 has probably been the nadia for semiconductor availability in in the european market so far and then just apparent demand in general has been slower so you have 
a lot more stock in the system that it's going to take time to work through. You're going to have a lot, a lot of stuff clearing uh, customs on the 1st of January when quotas reset and you'll see some you know some some quotas will probably disappear very very quickly on 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 day one um so it's quite unclear what direction the market will move in my personal view is that you're not going to see uh, a very quick upturn in in pricing in january i think probably the reverse is true there's still too much inventory in the system and if uh, if mills are wanting to uh, increase liquidity in terms of the tonnage traded then they're going to have to continue to offer discounts and um, I think there's just enough stock that people aren't going to be desperate to buy so I think it'll be a, a similar dynamic to uh, what we have right now except that there should be uh, a bit more underlying liquidity because this is a very very slow december in uh in the european markets and that is normally the case it's normally slow last year it was totally different when the market was popping and the price was roofing uh you know i think people were working right up to the 20th december something like that but this this month it's been much more like a typical european december it's much quieter a lot less liquidity to capture uh and a bit of a, a bit of a struggle for the for the mills to find uh find buyers and while all of this is going on they're still negotiating their contracts for 2022 so spot liquidity kind of dwindles anyway because the mills don't want right. to sell into a falling market and then kind of you know shoot themselves in the foot for these uh these annual negotiations so yeah it's quiet and i expect that's probably gonna continue to an extent and they'll be price pressure uh going forward uh although that said you know china does look to be bottoming and maybe the global supply and demand balance will be slightly better but i do think there's still some issues to overcome in europe yeah 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 i think it'll be interesting to see because i think there's some maybe more of a mixed market now than there was a month ago where people had been thinking that january could see a bump in demand maybe a bump in pricing in the u.s um, obviously, I mean, that's still pretty elevated. Now people are, are increasingly talking more about, well, where is the floor going to be? Is it going to be $1,400 a short ton? Is it going to be $1,200? Is it going to be 1000 And so I think the uh, pessimism has kind of flowed through the market now as um, people realize that more and more of them have enough steel to kind of hold off. I mean, I've got some people who I talk to who uh, say they don't really need to start re-engaging buying in the market until february or maybe march just depending on how demand goes and more and more people have told me that the um the estimates from their customers were a little too generous and basically they haven't been pulling those tons and so now that leaves more tons on the floor which are higher cost tons and you know every everyone i mean if if you if you have a sense of how to run a business, you made a good profit this year. And so everyone is working off of those profits and can kind of cover any losses that they're making right now. But obviously that's going to change come come the new year and like people not wanting to do that, but they're going to have to to some degree. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see how how things turn when we get to January 3rd, you know, the first Monday of the new year. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it'll be interesting in in both uh, the US and and Europe. Um, uh, like I said, the market here is just quite 
quite split in terms of direction really um the the futures on on a on the european contract are um mildly backward dated i guess so the index at the moment is uh is still just north of uh 900 euros or around 910 915 something like that and um I think February and March on on the on the CME are trading around uh, 875 8870 today so there is that um slight uh backwardation the curve had flattened a little bit which suggests mm-hmm. that the physical was close to bottoming and but then the kind of backwardation has crept back in uh which maybe suggests there's a bit more uh room for the physical to fall but it'll definitely be a interesting uh to uh to see Okay, well, uh, thank you very much for your time, Ray. Uh, yep. I really appreciate it. Uh, and thank you for, for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tune into our other episodes to learn about the metals market. For more information about uh, Hot Roll Coil, please visit argusmedia.com. Thank you very much.